So, Amadou Dafi, I uh, run a company called Gebea out of Ethiopia. Uh, so, that's about it, I think. Yeah. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, man. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, my name is Adewale Yusuf. I run the company called Techpoint.ng. We're a media platform. We are like most read in Sub-Saharan Africa when it comes to startup, entrepreneurship, and technology. Then we host tech events as well. At least this year we've had two and we have more than 10,000 people there. So, yeah. Fantastic. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, man. Thank you for having us. Amadou, I'll start with you. Um, arguably the most visible uh, perhaps well, most well PR'd uh, startup founder in Ethiopia at the moment. Turns out you're not even Ethiopian. You're actually Senegalese. What the heck? <laughs> hey, man. Okay. All right. So the story is very simple. Uh, if you can't go to Nigeria, you got to go to Ethiopia, right? So it's the second largest population. Uh, most of my well, three quarters of my life I actually spent in the U.S. So that's, that's probably what, what, how we connected, yeah? And I've been traveling to Africa the past six years trying to rediscover the continent. Because you think you, you're in Nigeria, you think you know Africa. And yeah, and what did you do in the U.S.? So, well, I went to school there. I worked for, I'm a software engineer by trade. So I worked for a few companies um, and I learned a trade, went to even enterprise architect. And then later I realized that everybody around me were always Indians, Pakistanis, or Filipinos in terms of the guys who actually did the work. Uh, in, in American companies, right? So I was like, well, there's something missing here. We should have more Africans actually to, to do this stuff. So I went on and created an organization at the time called Coders for Africa. This is before Andela, before all of these guys. And, but I cheated. So I was in the U.S., comfort of my home, doing some outsourcing to Africa using this panel. We actually even had an office in, in, uh, in Nigeria, a little bit of uh, in Lagos, Kaduna states and stuff like that. Um, and then I realized, okay, now it needs, we need to take it to the next level. I decide, okay, you know, I need to move back to Africa. Uh, my connection to Senegal, although, you know, being part from there, you know, um, I couldn't resonate because I wasn't Francophone anymore, right? When you're in the U.S., you're not even Anglophone, you're American, right? The way you think, the way you act, everything has to move very fast. So they had two choices, either, three choices. Either I'll go to Nigeria where I'll get destroyed because Andela was already there and stuff like that. And also Nigerians are very, um, what you call it? Uh, territorial? Territorial, exactly, you know. Um, the second thing was Kenya, which was good, but it was complacent. Kenya is becoming complacent because of the M-Pesa thing. There was no new innovation happening. Nigeria is moving faster now than actually Kenya was, right? And then uh, I happened to be working with developers in Ethiopia for the past three, four years. I noticed, huh, these guys are good. Let me go to that country and see. When I saw the massive uh, hunger for knowledge, for doing better, showing the world who they are, I'm like, this is where I want to be. Apparently, they've got like a busload of, um, you know, uh, universities that offer computer science. And who knew? Exactly. 43. And uh, so I decided, you know, that's what I'm going to do. So I packed my bags from New Jersey, just moved, never looked back, brought in some investment. A year and a half later, you know, we have about 300 developers trained on, but we specifically train them on anything from blockchain, machine learning, uh, anything from gaming, you said I would doubt it, anything around fintech and power. So those are the sectors we wanted to train software engineer in rather than just teaching them coding. Uh, and then you get them deployed in, 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 in firms. Yeah, because the, the, it's a marketplace. That's why we call it Gebea, which means market in Amharic. And then we plug them in into companies around the world or even in Africa. But my ultimate goal is different from the competitors, is to allow African tech to have tech talent. Okay, so right now, even in Nigeria, Nigerians, uh, companies are complaining because Nigerian developers now are pricing themselves too high because of the Andela effect. 
So how do you support this entire ecosystem in Nigeria of startups who can't afford $50,000, right? And you want to have two developers that will cost them that much. Can we bring the price lower to $10,000? So that's my battle, in a sense. So Adewale is like, um, he's, he went, yeah, when you talked about, um, off mic, of course, he went, yeah, when he said, you know, the, the price of, of, of uh, you know, the cost of coding talent in Nigeria is like, gone ridiculous since Andela did a thing. We had Andela on the show uh, a while ago. We had the head of strategy. And um, she's like, well, you can't blame us for, you know, paying people what they're worth. And maybe that says something about what the market was valuing, you know, proper talent. Maybe there's just a, a correcting of what talent's actually worth. What's your take on it, Adwell? So I think we live in a global village. As much as, as, much as it's an opportunity, is a blessing and a curse. Uh, a blessing in the way that is, I mean, a lot of people are getting into development. A lot of talents are growing. People are actually developing. And it's a curse because you can't actually employ them as a local entrepreneur. You can't really employ developers that way. And we did a research uh, last year. Uh, we look at developers' salary. For the first time, we actually get the actual amount you, you pay salary developers. And we discovered that the people that had like $5,000, they don't work for companies in Nigeria. And they are working among us. They are working among us. They are like a ghost that lives among us. And they are big boys. Because in the U.S., why in the U.S., it's, if you run a company in the U.S., it will be of a good benefit to you to pay a developer in Nigeria to work with you remotely because in the U.S. you have to cater for their home, for a lot of stuff. You can't even keep them in the valley. So now they're actually employing them at home in Nigeria. So it's actually a lot of challenges. So developers are getting better to work for companies outside Nigeria. Uh, as much as I see what Andela is doing, which is very good, but I think sometimes too is a cost because we can actually afford them. No Nigeria, I can actually say literally no Nigerian uh, company can actually employ this guy can afford to employ them and we're in a global village the talent pool a lot of people are coming for Nigerian talent African talent African developers so what he's doing is really interesting to keep them cool inside but it's it's another challenge let's think from a developer's perspective it's uh, uh, it's it's all gravy for them ex- exactly why would why should I stay with you when you my mate can I can actually hand more from outside so that's actually a very big dilemma but what we discover and what we are trying to do because it's a ticking time bomb what we are trying to do to help this is make sure we encourage more people to enter into development so be lot of developers can be in the market once there is a pool because it's a it's a talent of the future if you're skilled of the future the demand is growing every and it's going to get more because everybody is migrating online so I'm gonna do your amening in this corner over there. <laughs> yes, sir. Because yeah, so um, there's two ways of looking at it, right? There's a, um, a perspective where okay, we can provide job for talent in Africa to do the outsourcing and thing. But then we all here gathered Afrobytes to talk about the African tech industry and stuff like that. Well, if you don't have local talent to support the tech industry, then we're gonna run into the same problem of brain drain. It's still brain drain. As a developer, if you're working for a company outside, you still you know, doing that. The good news is there are other African countries, maybe in uh, Nigeria the cost of a developer is expensive, but there's other African countries who will take a cut. Remember, like that's why I say, there's no competition on dollar. The market is enough. A developer in, in Ethiopia that makes $1,000, it's like they made $5,000 in Nigeria. 
Do you get me? They even make more than doctors. Doct- some doctors over here make $1,000 in Ethiopia, right? So by this thing, even Paul Kagame is talking about the inter-trade within Africa. Well, we could do it with skills. If Nigerian companies can hire Ethiopian developers because they're hiring Indian developers because of the cost, why not hire Ethiopian developers? There's a company in Nigeria called Paga. Do you know Paga, the, uh, the, almost the entire platform was, was built by Ethiopian developers? I no idea. Did you know this? No, I don't. You know, one of the Nigerian guys who met uh, the, the Ethiopian, they, they has an Ethiopian founder, I think, initially, they decided to do it in Ethiopia. Right? The guy's company is called Opposite. All they did was payment platform, and they built Paga. So you see what I'm saying? So it's already happening. I just have to do my job at Gebea to make sure we have enough developers who can work with the Nigerian economy. You know, man? So that's really what I'm... And other economy. Even do it for Morocco because Moroccan developers cost because of Egypt and Tunisia and so on and so forth. And then later, you can do Ethiopia and Kenya as well, right? So that's the idea. So, you know, using that as a springboard to discuss the sort of temperament that's required of a coder, a coder who wants to make a career um, servicing the Nigerian market. Give me a sense of what that profile might look like. I mean, given your, you know, your exposure to the, to the tech and innovation scene there. When I look at the landscape of the developers, one thing I know is energy and focus and dedication. I know people that learn every day, people that go for training and even sleep on that bridge just because of that training, because they don't have any place to stay. And I know some guys, some years ago, there were when all this were starting in Nigeria at the emerging stage, uh, we had a company like Nokia. Nokia started training, they do QT. Uh, with C++, I was part of this training there. I know students that came from IFE that were actually OAU. There's a school called OAU. It's one of the best schools in Nigeria. And these people, these students came. And even when they don't have places to stay, they were hanging around. They make sure they did that training. And guess where those guys are now? They are top developers in, in Germany, in US, in Netherlands, in Switzerland. And they're doing deep learning, doing robotics, doing a lot of AI. So, Nigerian developers, energy, focus, and dedication. You can't miss that. So, let's talk about the profile of the Ethiopian developer in the context of, what, being a a territory that, you know, didn't experience colonial, you know, oppression, um, certainly interference to, to some extent, but... Um, you know, certainly a, a lot of interesting things that are woven into the fabric of Ethiopian socioeconomics, um, everyday life. What does that contribute to the type of coders coming out of that country? Well, a lot. One of the things that you have to realize is um, Ethiopia, because of the language barrier, you know, speaking Amharic, but at the same time having the opportunity of... Uh, uh, learning English very well because they, they go to school, they learn English too. Uh, it gives them in a position where when you meet a first uh, Ethiopian, let's the guys that come to get trained with us. The first thing is the humility. So one of the things you notice in Ethiopians is humility. They're very proud of themselves, but they won't show it to you. There's a way of uh, communicating with where different from a Nigerian developer who's a lot of energy will tell you what he does, is, right? So then once they learn, once the Ethiopian learn what they need to know, or they get the visibility, you see, you'll see. It cocoon up, right? You see, like David, for example, when he f- built this game. All right, tell us about David, because you, you've referenced him twice, but he's exactly who 
I was thinking about when you started this, this description. So tell the people who Dawid is. Okay. So Dawid Abraham is the gentleman that actually founded Kukulu, the mobile game app that people are talking about. He came to, he's an example of Gebeya. That's what Gebeya produced. He came to Gebeya very humble with a very beat up game and say, hey, Amadou, I want to learn your mobile engineering track. I said, all right, great, great. During the interview process, we tell him, what have you done? Oh, I built this game. I went boom in my head. I'm like, okay. This is a, even a market parallel penetration for us if we say that we've done some in gaming. So we sat down with them. Okay, but you got to go through the training. It's a mindset. Our training is a mindset. So he went through it. When he was done, he landed a couple of jobs on the platform, but he really wanted his product to grow. So we incubated him. Gebe actually invested money on him, giving the mentorship from me and my co-founder and turned him on what it is today. So when Dawit was first came to Gebeya, and Dawit now is totally different. You get me? So, but he's humble. Meeting some of the other Ethiopian delegates here to, at, at Afrobytes this year, you know, running into people who helped program the Sophia robot in, 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 in Saudi Arabia. Apparently up to 50% of that code was done in, in Ethiopia. But you see, talk to them in the, in the corridors, see them on a panel. You're like, I'm not dealing with, uh, I mean, if an American had done it, it would be, they'd be like headlining the whole place. And, it'd be, you know, and, and, and so what is that? How, how is that good for business in Gebeya terms? So it's quite confidence. So they're very quiet in confidence. But what it does to me is an Ethiopian developer is not driven by money right away. They want to prove something. Whereby a Kenyan developer, Nigerian, and it's totally normal, can be driven by money. I know this thing. I'm going to make a lot of money. Which gives me time to ramp up the capacity. You know, my model actually works that way where I don't need to be aggressively going and trying to find money for them. Let's build the country together into having more of Dawit, more things, and eventually it will transpire. So that's really what's, what's happening. The type of profile that Dawit is, is my perfect. Because again, you can't, it's not like you have a Nigerian developer is different than an uh, Ethiopian developer. So a developer is a developer. In talent terms, they, they, they're equally gifted. But this nuance you're talking about, you're talking about like its contribution to the fabric of the company you're building. The ecosystem, right? Because a developer is a developer. They're beings who create things out of nothing. It's very abstract. It's like musicians. Musicians create something, but they're very resilient. They'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning code. They sit on a bridge in Nigeria, like you said, in code. They'll, you know, be outside in code. That's the mindset that they have. So they're all the same. It, different, it just depends. Are they business-like people or are they humble enough to, to learn more and then become business? So that's the difference when I say so let's talk about Nigeria, but first let's talk about how a Niger-born boy um, ends up operating in a journalistic capacity. Tech Point, uh, Nigeria, of course, at this point, well entrenched within tech and innovation circles as a resource, as a, as a reference point for our ecosystem. Talk us through that journey, because I, I think we have in common, uh, Nigeria and Zimbabwe, uh, the, the fact that you know media as a proposition, as a professional proposition, not high up on the list of most Nigerian parents and <laughs> uncles and aunties. Yeah, so talk us through how uh, you've navigated your decision to, to build an, a media platform and commercialize it. So it's about the story. We follow the story. For example, uh, I've been in this space for like seven, eight years. I started as a developer. Um, I discovered it wasn't my forte. I mean, like, I couldn't do much. I worked with a development team. But one day I came, I saw someone that offered, oh, why can't you write for this platform? I was there for a while until the person dropped it. So I went into photography and I came one day. I discovered nobody was telling the story of the guys doing something. No matter how small it was, there's some things going on. We had Iroko, we have uh, Konga, 
and narrative is important because if you don't tell your story someone else will come and tell the story another big firm whenever they enter the market they're just coming to talk about the big company that actually raise funding and we talk about the small guys because those small guys are the ones that contribute to the growth of everyone so we started and it's been really uh, challenging and it's been really fun you understand we grew from just one only me to like a team of 16 and we we now build a trust we build a community every day people go to the platform every time we champion conversation uh so we started that and beyond that we said okay let's gather people offline our first event was last year and we had more than 1,000 people. I said, okay, let's do another one for startup. And this year, we are close to 5,000 people in January. Then, okay, let's do for tech in May. That's within five months. We had more than 5,000 people for the other one. So we're just creating that market. We're creating the opportunity because it was like the way music market developed in Nigeria. So uh, because anywhere you go now in Africa, people jam Nigerian music. Yeah. Everywhere. In, in, in Ethiopia as well? That's all they listen. If you, don't, if you don't play Niger music, you don't rock. And you, you see these guys, they fought for it. And that's what we're trying to do now, to make it a movement so everyone can be part of it. Because we don't have a choice for what is coming, the fourth industrial revolution that, is, that we are in. We're the age of robotics. Because people, you can't go... You know, it's so sad that we have to entry commercial mark, uh, banks in Nigeria and in schools, universities, you say have banking and finance as a course. I mean, as a course that people still do. Well, you graduate how many thousands? For 23 commercial banks, and they are, they are actually sacking them every time because a lot of things have been automated. So that's why we are trying to create awareness. And, you know, the last event, I saw a six-year-old guy that came that his father brought, and the guy was saying, I want to learn how to code. I was really excited. Because the moment we can actually get them into this, and so that's that that's our story. And then we we are doing the same thing in other African market. We are going to uh, Kenya this year. Uh, we'll use it to power East Africa. And I'm really interested in Ethiopia in what they are doing. Uh, I will be there in July or maybe August just to learn. Uh, definitely, Daffy is going to invite me. <laughs> check it out, check it out. No pressure, Daffy. Listen. I want to pick up on uh, something Adewali said about, about narrative. And you and I spoke off mic um, a little earlier about like the role of narrative in either, well, I suppose, not making or breaking, but actually contributing to the ongoing success of Gebert. Um It seems some startups on the continent have a, an easier time at grabbing those headlines, making those tech crunch, fast company listings, and, and that kind of thing. And um, th- there seems to be... By and large, a single story told about what's hot and what's not in, in the developed world. And the same names keep coming up. In your case, what's you know, obviously relevant to your context is Andela. Um, and I've even found myself sort of referring to Gebea even on our show as, oh, the, the sort of, uh, you know, Andela, <laughs> the Andela in, 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 in Ethiopia. The, you know, not the second best. So, yeah, so give me a sense of, your perception of how narrative um, and how narrative is contributing to or maybe scuppering the progress you'd like to see Kabea make? All right, so there's two things. Uh, there's, first of all, actually three things. There's, first of all, is what you call direct information and information. Direct information is what I'm getting from a South African a living in an Ethiopian. So the, the direct information that we have versus 
indirect information where CNN is telling me what you're doing in South Africa, which is how, all, how Africans have always operated. We've always gotten information from other African countries based on what you see in CNN. Okay? I'm looking forward for Tech, Tech Point to come to Ethiopia and we'll tell them from our perspective what Ethiopians are doing. So now if you look at it for Mandela, that's what they're doing. So their interest at heart, from a moral interest, is not Africa. Right? Because it's clear to their model. We can't blame them for it. They're trying to have brains that they can ship to the U.S. or you know, make them work you know, and benefit from it. It's a business decision. My moral interest is allowing the African tech industry to, to, to blossom. Because if you don't do that, no matter how much money you make right, from foreign companies, eventually it won't benefit the, the, the thing. So what I want to do, my focus is Africa. Uh, I'd rather TechPoint actually write uh, um, um, an article about us and tell us how we're helping the startup ecosystem find affordable and quality developer than being on CNN. That's why I never wanted to be on CNN right away. At the end of the day, if you need a developer, you need a good developer. Whether Zuckerberg funded the organization that you, that you run or I personally and my co-founder funded our organization, let's put him toe-to-toe. Can, we can only beat each other in terms of pricing and in terms of capacity. In one year, we've, uh, in a year and a half, we have 260 developers. When Andela started, people don't even go back and see how Andela started. When they started in Nigeria, they were struggling. Okay? So they had, I think, over two years, maybe 100. Now they have about maybe, maybe between three and 600. But that's also debatable. How many of them are actually productive? How many actually would generate revenue? My goal in the next five years is to have 5,000 engineers that can be spawned across Africa and create a $100 million marketplace. That is it. Right? So I'm focused in that narrative. I am going to these African countries, talking to these African people, and saying, don't hire people from overseas anymore, hire African developers. Whereby Andela's message may be different, but at least it validates what I'm doing. Because when CNN talks about African developers, okay, I can benefit from it. But for me, it's a long term rather than just a perception of uh, indirect information. Did you get me? So that's all. So I'm going to close this interview by asking you guys um, to do something that has been encouraged here at Afrobytes. And there's been a, a healthy sense of competition between Team Nigeria, Team Ethiopia, even though in this particular case, we don't actually have an Ethiopian on the mic. So here's the deal. Um, Afrobytes um, saw qu- quite a massive Ethiopian contingent rolling heavy on some, you know, we're doing the business. We've been in stealth mode for a really long time. We've been subject to a fairly poorly publicized narrative. Nigeria has never had a problem telling us what's going on over there. Um, but yeah, you guys have always been in the mix. Africa's biggest economy. Um, so I'm already getting you started. Well, hang on. We have the number. All right. So uh, that's just to get you all started. So I'm going to give you guys each um, 30 seconds to make your case for why your, your various markets are the business. You know, speak to, to founders who, who are looking at those markets and saying, maybe I can start over there. I think let's speak to potential repats who are going, shall I leave New Jersey? Shall I not? Uh, speak to <laughs> you laughing. <laughs> speak that. to your people, Daffy. Um, speak to investors who are currently kind of you know looking around, going, which market shall I bet on? You know, and who wants to go first? The Nigerian says he wants to go first. Surprise, surprise. Nigerian. Nigerian. You, you are first in many ways already. Nigerians. So one thing uh, I. I mean, for the first time, this place actually opened my mind. And I've been telling people, like, China is the market of today. Africa is the market of tomorrow. So it's not about competition at all. But if you want to come, there are a lot of challenges. 
But trust me, there are a lot of opportunities. And money that are coming in, I mean, this year alone, uh, the money that have been injected into Nigeria is like $50 million that have gone into startups. We do report on that as well. So it's a place to be, but you need to convince yourself, are you ready for it? Trust me. Come with your loins girded. <laughs> Don't miss it, but are you ready for it? All right, there we go. That was 30 seconds. Daffy, you're up, sir. Right, so Ethiopia is a special, it's always a special case in Africa, but it has a couple of advantages. First one is that the African Union headquarters is in Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa. Uh, the numbers don't lie. Uh, they're growing, uh, last year they grew 7.8% in terms of economy. They even beat China. There's a lot of investment coming in from the Chinese uh, um, uh, government and, and businessmen that actually kind of prove that Ethiopia would be the next manufacturing hub. Okay, so that, that is already locked in. The thing is, how do we position Ethiopia to be the next tech hub? I think that between us building the capacity of talent and companies looking at it, right, tech companies to say, you know what, let me go set a shop in Ethiopia. I think that's the opportunity. So from the tech side, it's lagging behind because there's a few things that needs to happen. But for anything else, anything from manufacturing and some of these things that is more um, uh, required. Mainstream? Yeah, and mainstream require more capital. There's plenty of opportunity to go forward. So. All right, man. Amadou Dafe of uh, Gebea and, of course, uh, Adewale Yusuf of TechPoint Nigeria. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having us. It was great, man.